0: He
1: goes be confidence. Good morning, church. Happy Thanksgiving. How is everyone today? Yes, God is great. Stand with me. I want to open in prayer and let's sing to the Lord of the heavens. Lord God, I thank you for this gathering of your saints today. I thank you for those that believe. I thank you for those who have come here to hear the truth, that are seeking something that this world simply cannot offer. And that is salvation through Christ. So, Lord, I pray that as we sing, as we celebrate, as we exalt your name, that you would move in our hearts, that you would move in this place, that we can say with the psalmist, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving, that your name will be glorified and exalted in this place. Christ, above all things, is worthy to be praised we give you this time again. In his name, amen. Let's sing. 是 these things are true Lord God I pray for healing where healing is needed I pray for broken relationships to be put back together I pray for sickness to be crushed I pray that in all things your hand would be in all things for all people and we know this is true because your word says you are the creator of all universe that you sustain calls us to worship you today Lord God I pray that the Holy Spirit is free to move in this place to convict hearts of sin to draw us to repentance so that we might then see the glory of the one who made us and made a way back to you the Father by your Son jesus empower us through your holy spirit today to see these truths lord that we would sing and that we would worship i pray this altar is filled with people praying cries of repentance and hope and mercy and grace and healing god you are forgiving god you are merciful and righteous And you call us to be the same thing, holy and righteous and perfect in your sight. Have your way in our lives as we celebrate these truths. The
0: Lord is my shepherd.
2: guys can have a seat as we transition here to spend a little time in prayer together. So we work our way through what's called the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. We do that every week, take a little bit at a time just for us personally to be praying and then also to, by God's grace, teach us how to pray and model how to pray and So as we're going through the Lord's Prayer today, we come to that last little part in verse 13 where it says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, And being delivered from evil doesn't always mean that God takes you out of a situation. Being delivered from evil can also be God uses you in the midst of that situation to shine light in the middle of darkness. Does that make sense? Um Romans chapter 12, verse 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's an author by the name of Shauna Pilgrim in her book, uh, Love Where You Live. I just want to read just a quick excerpt from that just to kind of get us thinking in this. Listen to what she says. Evil is in this world. We hear of it and experience it, and our hearts sink in despair. However, we are not the hopeless, but the hope filled. We face evil with intercessory prayer. Evil can't be extinguished with anger or frustration or enough conversation with friends or through social media. God will overcome all evil one day, once and for all, but in our time here on earth, we push the darkness back by calling on the God of this universe to enter our homes. Our businesses, our schools, and our towns. When we pray, as the Lord prays in Matthew 6:13, deliver us from evil. One of the things we're also asking is, Lord God, deliver us from evil by through our prayers pushing back the evil of this world. God uses the prayers of his people to shine lights in the middle of darkness. Jeremiah 29, verse 7. So the people of Israel have been taken captive, right? They're in exile. They've been taken away from their homes. They've been let out. They're in captivity. They're they're, they're being abused. They're being held against their will. And God doesn't look at them and say, fight back against those people who are oppressing you. And God doesn't say, become like those people because that's just going to make life easier. Don't be like them, and don't fight against them. Here's what he says to them while they're in captivity. Jeremiah 29, 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. God's call on Israel is God's call on us. Pray. Pray. Pray into the darkness that you find yourself in. Pray into this dark world that we live in. Darkness is not pushed back because you post a lot of things on Facebook. Darkness is pushed back because you spend a lot of time on your face before God. So let's practice that now. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me. Again, Jeremiah 29, 7. But seek The welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Where you are today is not an accident. Where you are today is because this is in some way, somehow, in something that we don't understand all of the reasonings. God has you here for a reason. He has allowed this to happen for a reason. Here's where you are now. What do you do in the midst of that? Whine, complain, fuss tuck your head between your legs and just wait for this whole thing to be over with. No. You pray. Pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. I want to encourage you. Take some time, whether it be your home, whether it be the city, our state, our nation, whatever grips your heart, whatever grips your heart when you see the darkness around you. Maybe it's something very personal. Maybe it's a personal relationship that you're walking in right now where it just feels dark. Maybe it's something on a national level. You look at our nation. You look at our society. and You're just overwhelmed by it. Absolutely. What's our response? Pray. Pray for its welfare. Pray that God blesses, not blesses evil, but blesses people so that they would see that God is good, so that the goodness of God would lead them to repentance. So take just a moment, whatever has gripped your heart, take a second and let's pray. Father God, we... God, I pray for those here in the room that may be praying about very personal things, maybe in a relationship, home life, where they work, where it just feels dark. I pray, God, that you would encourage them. As they step into that, they step in as light. I pray, God, that you would embolden them to pray prayers of blessing, prayers of grace and mercy and love. I pray, God, that we would put into practice loving our enemy, blessing those who persecute us. Jesus, you said to do this. I pray, God, we will. I pray, God, you would embolden strong prayers of blessing and grace and mercy and love. And I pray, God, for our society as a whole. I pray, God, that you would raise up a group of Christians that do not just complain and moan and fuss and post. But God, who are on their faces praying blessing and mercy and grace and compassion on those around us in this society that we see is obviously turned against us. That's not up for debate. But I pray, God, that we would respond differently. And I pray, God, you would start by raising that group of people up right here in this room. People who would pray for the welfare of our society. Not that you would bless sin but that you would bless people and through that call them to grace and repentance of their sin. Raise us up, God, to be men and women of blessing, men and women of grace, men and women of mercy. Lord God, if we as your people don't do it, who in the world is going to? Empower us, Lord. Empower us, Lord, to see deliverance from evil because you use us in our prayers to push back evil for your glory thank you jesus thank you we pray this in your name amen all right If you got a bible let's find galatians chapter 6 galatians 6 we're going to be finishing the book of galatians today um and uh So for the last three months, we've been working our way through the book of Galatians, looking to unpack the gospel, what that is, what that means for your life. The big idea in Galatians we've been seeing is that you are not saved through your actions, but through the grace of God. We are all sinners, and we are all incapable of doing anything about our own sin. So we need the grace of God to miraculously do a work in us, and through faith in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection, We trust by faith in him and his work, and he does this in us. And so we've been seeing the gospel, and every week we've been talking about the gospel and laying out a little working definition for us so that we're all on the same page of what we're talking about as we go forward. So let's do that one more time, our last time here doing this in the book of Galatians. When we say gospel, here's what we mean. Repeat all of this together. The gospel is right standing with God that was bought by Jesus on the cross. And it is enjoyed only by faith in his work. Anything added to the gospel ruins it, and you miss Jesus. So as we wrap up our study in Galatians, we're seeing today that we're not just saved from something, but we're saved to something. We're not just saved out from our sin, but we're, pla- we're not just taken out of our sin, but we're placed into something, specifically the family of God. And we're going to see today how the family of God is played out here on earth, here in the church. And so what we're going to tackle today as we wrap up Galatians is, we've been talking kind of all uh, series, the last three months or so, really a lot about just you personally. What does the gospel mean for you personally? How do you personally walk in this? What are things that you personally must walk away from, repent from, turn from, and turn to faith in Christ? How do you personally walk in this? We kind of put a bow on it today talking about us rather than just you individually. How do we as a church live out God's call on us to be a gospel church? So we're going to be in chapter 6. We're going to get the whole chapter today. We're going to see a few big ideas of what does it mean to be a gospel-faithful, gospel-centered, gospel-proclaiming church. So big idea number one is this. A gospel church restores. A gospel church restores. If you've been in church for long, if you grew up in church, either you personally or you have seen with your own eyes, sometimes we in the church... ...tend to shoot or wounded. Somebody's busted up. Whether it's because of decisions you yourself made... ...and you're having to bear the consequences for that... ...or things that were done to you that had nothing to do with you... ...but it just wounded you so deeply. Sometimes the way that we respond to that as a church isn't great. What I want you to see in Galatians 6 here is... the. God's call on us as a gospel-centered, gospel-faithful church is to restore. Now, after three months of Galatians, what you've heard over and over and over again is, what you do does not make you right with God. What you do does not make you right with God. What you do does not make you right with God. Right? We have beat that drum mercilessly. If you missed The previous 11 sermons, I just summed up everything in 30 seconds. You don't have to go listen. All right. What you do does not make you right with God. However, let me take a quick check here for a moment. It could be possibly easy for you to hear week after week, week after week, week after week, what you do doesn't make you right with God. And from that wrongly think, that must mean your actions don't matter. God forgives, right? Right? God is gracious, right? And so, are we perfect? No. Are we going to do dumb things? Yeah. But God's gracious. That would be a horrifically foolish and demonic way of viewing God and his grace. This point is not that your actions don't matter. Your actions matter a lot. Specifically because God's grace has been shown to you. So we, as a church... Restore. So what exactly do we do? What does this look like? Look at verses 1 and 2. What do we do? Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So what we've seen all through Galatians is that Jesus sets you free. Jesus sets you free. Jesus sets you free. Free from sin, free from legalism, free from this world. However, even though we've been set free in Christ, not all of us all the time live free. Right? In fact, we all go through times in our life where even though we've been set free in Christ, we're not living free. And so the question is, what do we do then? What do we do when we're, as it says there in verse 1, caught in a trespass? Now that we're caught in a trespass doesn't mean, gotcha, right, you're caught. But that phrase caught in trespass is literally a military term, meaning you're caught behind enemy lines. What happens when a brother or sister in Christ finds themselves caught behind enemy lines, entangled in sin? What do we do? Well, it tells you what we do. You who are spiritual should restore him. Now, when it says you who are spiritual, that doesn't mean uh, those of you who are perfect, because we're not. But in, in speaking of those who are spiritual, it's meaning those who are seeking after God. They're seeking after spiritual things. They're wanting to walk in holiness. They're wanting to walk empowered by the grace of God. You who are spiritual, you who are seeking to walk this out, what do you do? You should restore him. That word restore means to men, like you set a broken bone. Sin breaks. Some of you are right here in this room. You are broken because of sin. Sin has broken your spiritual leg. And it says here, the call for us as the rest of the body is to go behind enemy lines, rescue you, and see that bone set right so that you can grow healthy and strong in the Lord. Just like the military says, no one left behind, the church must say, no one left behind. Colossians 1.28 says, says the goal that we have is to present every single person mature in Christ. No one left behind. No one gets caught behind enemy lines. right? Just like, again, in a military context. No one gets left behind. We go after them. We bring them home. And if we can't get them home, if we all die, then we all die together. But we don't leave anybody. This is the call for the church. What I would argue is for for many a church and for many of us in this room, maybe you feel like you've been left behind. And I want to encourage you, the goal for a gospel faithful church is never to do that. Verse 2 says that we bear one another's burdens. This means to lift up and carry something that can't be carried by themselves. Right, You've got a, a load that's too heavy to carry. Someone needs to come along and help you pick that up. And it says, bear one another's burden. So it's reciprocal. Like, I'm helping you carry your load today, and you're going to help me carry my load tomorrow. We're doing this together. The church was never meant to be. I say this all the time, and I'm going to keep saying it, especially getting close to Christmas, because we're going to have people show up we haven't seen since Easter. I'm only slightly joking. The point of the church is not for you simply to come and sit in this room for an hour or so and then leave. We seek to bear one another's burdens, carry one another's loads, and we can't do that if we stay anonymous. Then how do we do it? Look at verse 1 again. You do it gently. It says, in a spirit of gentleness, not harshly, not condemning, not rudely, not ramming something down the throat, but gentle. We do it cautiously. Look at verse 1 again. Keep watch on yourselves lest you too be tempted. Cautiously. We can be tempted to be prideful. We can be tempted to be arrogant. We can be tempted to think that we have something that someone else doesn't. In trying to remember what Jesus says, look, if you're going to get the speck out of your brother's eye, make sure you grab the telephone pole in yours first. Right? Cautiously examine my own hearts, search my own hearts. Why am I seeking to do this? Why do I want to pursue this? Why do I want to reach out and help this brother? Is it out of genuine love, compassion, mercy on them? Or is there something else God needs to work in my heart? And then last, you got to do it humbly. Look at verse 3 through 5. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. you got to walk humbly. right? If anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. We have to be honest about where we are in the Lord, not thinking we're farther along than we really are. This is especially true for younger believers. Younger Christians always think they're more mature than they are. Pump the brakes, brother. All right, just hang on. Look in the mirror. Let God do a work in you. Walk humbly. Let each one test his own work. Then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. That doesn't mean that we can have a right to boast. Now, obviously, we're, pride is, is not God's call on us. 1 Corinthians is is very clear on that. But it means you examine your own heart and see what God has done in you, and then you're excited about what God's done in you. It has nothing to do with the brother that you're talking to. It's just about what God has done in you. And then verse 5, each one will have to bear his own load. The the word here for bear is different than the first word there. where in verse 2 where it says to... Uh, where where it says to bear one another's burdens. It's a different bear. The bear one another's burdens in verse 2, again, is something that you can't carry. The bear in verse 5 means your cargo, like I own a cargo ship. In other words, you have a load to carry, and I have a load to carry. And I can't look at your load and think it's easier than my load. You can't look at my load and think it's easier than your load. We all have a different load to carry, so we have to walk humbly. The point, brothers and sisters, is, because God's grace is so amazing, because Jesus Christ died on the cross to set you free from sin, it should devastate us and wound us and, and and cause us to fall on our faces in prayer and send us running after brothers and sisters in Christ who are not walking in freedom because we know how great the sacrifice to set us free was. Because the sacrifice was so great, we hate sin. We hate it. We loathe it. We despise it in our own hearts and in the lives of those that we know and love in the church. We hate it. So whenever we see someone stuck in it, we desperately desire to see them set free. And that might mean we have to go and have an awkward conversation because we love them. The point of God's grace is not that you get to do whatever you want. The point of God's grace is you're finally set free to have a different want. The wants to pursue God, his glory, his righteousness. So we repent and return from sin and we help brothers and sisters do the same thing. A gospel church seeks to restore. And I need that. I need to be a part of a church that seeks to restore me when I need it. I need to raise my children in a church filled with other brothers and sisters who love my family and desire to see my kids restored when they need it. I need that, and so do you. You need that. This is not something that can be pushed off to the side or not something that some people need but not me. You need it. And if you're not connected with the body, you can't have it. So why don't we ever see this happening? Let's be honest. We rarely see this happening in churches. Most churches do not walk in this at all. And I think there are a couple of reasons. One, I think we never approach anyone about sin because we're terrified of making them mad at us. We are terrified of them thinking bad of us. We are terrified of them not being our friends anymore. We're terrified of coming off like some spiritual haughty jerk. The reason that you don't walk in this is because you fear man more than you fear God. You fear man more than you fear God. And so you stand back. And watch a brother or sister play Russian roulette with their lives. Because you're afraid to say something. Another reason this doesn't happen often on the flip side is this. So the reason that we never approach anyone is because we're afraid. And the reason nobody ever approaches you is because you're not around anyone long enough for them to actually know you. And saying, hey, getting coffee isn't enough. If you're not plugged into a journey group here that's a small group ministry, you're never going to have anyone in your life that could possibly potentially be this for you. Sitting in this room every Sunday isn't enough. And I know some, you come from situations where you got burned out, where you got busted up, and you just need to come and sit and relax and soak up for a little bit. I get that. But there's got to come a point where you move beyond that for your soul's sake. Okay, you've got to move beyond that for the sake of your own soul. So let me give you a couple of quick pointers, how we can practically kind of walk through this. So advice on reaching out to someone that you see with uh, a sin. Issue Something in their life that is, there. You, you sense that they're caught behind enemy lines and you want to approach them. Let me give you a couple of quick pointers. One is this. Try only to approach people that you have a pre-existing relationship with. All right? You don't want to, like, you know, new family shows up at church on a Sunday morning. You um, see a family, uh, parents are dropping kids off. Um, kid does something dumb. Dad swings around and kind of grits his teeth and goes, would you stop doing that? Right? You don't want to pull up and go, hey, listen, what's your name? Bob, great to have you here. So listen, I notice you speaking harshly to your child. I just want to correct you on that for a moment. Right? That's, not, right? That's not the way to do that. You want as much as possible. Unless God sets a bush in your front yard on fire and audibly speaks through it, telling you to go confront a brother or sister you don't know, unless that happens stop all right don't do it if you see something pray for them pray for them but unless you know them and have that relationship with them i implore you don't go talk to them I, I tell you what i do even for me as the pastor if there's something happening with someone in this church that i don't have a great relationship with i sit down with our staff or i sit down with my deacons and i say who here has a good relationship with him Who knows him better than I do that can talk into his life? I've got no problem taking a back seat if someone else has a better relationship. I practice that. You should practice that, all right? Men with men, ladies with ladies. Guys, don't go calling ladies out. Ladies, don't call guys out. That gets weird, all right? Super practical. Guys with guys, ladies with ladies, specifically people that you already have a relationship with. Another thing. Spend significant time in prayer, Scripture, and possibly even fasting before you go and confront them. All right, You need to spend time with God. For you, you got to make sure your heart is pure. Again, the Scriptures told us that. Make sure you're going in a right heart, in a right way, gently. Make sure the Lord purifies you first. And then second, you're praying for them, and you're praying that God opens up them. Opens up their heart. Maybe you're praying for them and God doesn't work in them before you even have to go talk to them. Right? Spend time in prayer, in the word. I would encourage fasting before you do something as significant as going to a brother or sister in Christ and saying, Hey, I've noticed something. All right? We want to be, that, be, be very prayerful in that. Uh, third, just a couple quick ones. Third, um, approach the person with a heart and attitude of grace, compassion, and mercy. Um, every husband in this room knows this for a fact. It is not what you say. It is how you say it. Same with this. It is not what you say. It is how you say it and the attitude in which you come. Are you coming with one of grace, compassion, humility, mercy? Look, I've seen something. I just want to talk with you about that. Just got a question. Which leads me to, to my last one. Um, come with a humble, open mind because there are probably things in the situation you're not aware of. Proverbs 18:17 says, The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. I've seen it over and over again. You see something happening, you think you know what's going on, you step in boldly because, golly, that's what God called us to do, and come to find out there's this whole other thing back here you didn't know about, and you just come across looking like a jerk. Go with an open mind and just ask a question. Hey, look, I've noticed this. What's going on? How can I, what's, what's, what's happening? There's usually something else in the background. Things don't happen in a vacuum. Find out what's going on and speak into it. All right, so so that's if you need to speak to someone. Now, if someone comes and approaches you, let me give you a couple of pointers also. All right, if someone comes to you, I've been on both the giving and receiving end of this. I've had to sit down with someone and say, hey, look, man, I've noticed a thing. Let me talk to you about that. And I've had someone sit down with me and say, hey, I've noticed a thing. Let me talk to you about that. And if you're an actual follower of Christ within the body of Christ, you'll have both as well. Because, I don't know if you know this. You're not perfect. You're going to have both. So if someone comes and approaches you, let me give you a couple of question, uh, 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 um, uh, points as well. Number one, avoid the temptation to find people who disagree with them. Someone comes to you and says, hey, look, man, I've just noticed just a, a strain between you and your wife. It's just something I've seen over the last couple of months now. I've been praying for you guys. I just see it. There just seems to be some tension there. just want to talk to you about that. Is everything all right? What's going on? Don't go immediately to someone else and go, you know, Brad came up to me and said that he thinks I have an issue with my wife. Do you think that's true? You know what's going to happen? Because most people in your life are cowards and they're afraid of you. You know what they're going to say? No. What? You know what the truth is? I bet there are issues between Brad and Marie and he's just projecting that onto you. I bet that's what. You know what? I bet you're right. You know, they do look miserable. It's going to be really tempting for you to try to find someone who's going to puff you up and disagree with the person who loved you enough to do an awkward thing. I implore you, push that temptation down. All right? Push that temptation down. Don't do that. Second is this. Avoid the temptation to point out problems in the person that came to you. All right? All right? Because someone's going to come to you and go, hey, I've never, again, I've never had a perfect person confront me on anything. And I have never been perfect in confronting anyone on anything. There's always going to be issues. So you can't have someone come to you and say, hey, man, I've just noticed this. You think you're perfect? No. No, I'm not. I've I, I just noticed this. And here's really the tough part. You ready? Here's a really tough thing. God has no problem speaking into your life and using a total jackass to do it. And don't email me. That's from the Bible. You ever had this little gift from God? Someone who is an absolute, prideful, arrogant jerk. Point something out in you, and at that moment you got one of two paths. Right, you can either, in humility, say, "Okay, I appreciate that. I'm gonna I'm gonna go say that before the Lord and, and, and see what He says to me. I really appreciate you coming and sharing that with me. Thank you for thank you for loving me enough to be willing to do that." Or, option B, have you lost your mind? Y- you. You are going to say, and then again, it's really easy to go find people that are like, that fool said what to you? Avoid that temptation. As a gospel church, as a gospel church, we are called to restore. And the only way that happens is if we are changed by the gospel personally and we're so gripped by the grace of God that empowered us to turn from our sin, repent of our sin, and walk in freedom, we're so in love with Jesus Christ that set us free, we are devastated when we see brothers and sisters in Christ not walking in that freedom. So we have got to do something. Because this is what a gospel church does. The gospel church restores. second, A gospel church reaps. Look at verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So the warning to not be deceived there in verse 7 is a really serious one. When it says do not be deceived, it literally means do not be seduced to go astray. And specifically, the seduction, the, the deception, speaking of here, is the deception into thinking um, you can sow a particular seed but reap a different harvest. Right? It's like a farmer that plants an apple seed but thinks he's going to grow an, an orange tree. Right? It, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And as Galatians is kind of unpacking the depths of God's grace, Paul is tackling some of these misconceptions, some of these ideas. We've seen, that, we've seen already throughout Galatians that grace-given freedom does not come for the purpose of you being able to do whatever you want. You must be driven by the love for God. And we've seen that grace-driven freedom doesn't mean that you can't look at a brother or sister in Christ and say that they're in sin. You very much can. And now we see grace-driven freedom does not mean that you can sow whatever you want but not worry about the consequences. You reap what you sow. Look at verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. So this isn't speaking of salvation, right? It isn't if you sow good things, if you do good things, you're gonna get saved. Doesn't mean obviously anything like that. But what it does mean is this spiritual growth is not accidental. What you are today is the direct result of seed you planted in the past. You are not accidentally what you are today. Where you are in your walk with the Lord, where you are in your marriage, where you are with your kids, where you are at work. Every single thing in your life is the direct result of a seed that was planted in the past. If you don't like the present that you're in, then you got to start planting some different seeds so that you will have a different future. Is this making sense? You reap what you sow. God's grace is On you, And the point isn't that God's grace is on you, therefore you don't have to worry about consequences. The point is God's grace is on you to empower you to sow seeds to the Spirit now. You were incapable of sowing seeds to the Spirit before Christ saved you sovereignly. But after he's done that, now you're finally empowered to sow good seed to the Spirit so that you reap a harvest of righteousness. Don't keep sowing seeds of the flesh... Now that you're empowered to finally sow seeds of the Spirit, what you sow, you're going to reap. It's going to happen. So here's a question an honest question. Let's look at where you are today and let's reverse engineer. All right? Where you are in the Lord, are you growing? Are you healthy? Are you strong? Are you trusting in God? Are you walking in freedom from sin? When sin does enter your life, do you quickly see it by God's grace and seek to repent of that and turn from that by the empowerment of the Spirit? Is that what you're walking in? If it's true that's what you're walking in, that is a direct result of seeds that were planted in the past. Seeds of time in God's Word. Seeds of time of submitting to a church and asking people to speak into your life. Seeds of hours in prayer. Seeds of seeking um, um, godly counsel. Seeds of repenting from sin the second you see it in your heart. Those are seeds you're planting so that you can reap a powerful harvest later. And if that's not the harvest you're pulling up, there is a reason for that. If there's strife and contention in your home... That is the direct result of seeds that were planted. That's not accidental, and that's no one's fault but yours. Now, your situation, your circumstance might be the same, but how you're walking through it, the empowerment of the Spirit to walk in that, is the direct result of seeds that had been planted. What seeds are you planting? And I love verse 9 as well. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Such an important verse. Like, underline that, circle that, whatever you do. This is a, this is a verse of encouragement. Because you ready? Do a quick agricultural lesson, all right? Because I, I, I took half a semester of ag in college before I quit the class, so I know what I'm talking about, okay? Sowing and reaping takes time. If you're a gardener, whether you plant flowers or vegetables, you don't plant a seed and then wake up the next It's not jacking the beanstalk. right? You don't throw seeds in the ground. You wake up the next day and go, well, I'll be. Look at that. It takes time. So you've got to plant seeds today that you're going to reap in the future. Spiritual growth is not microwave, it is not instantaneous, and it's not magic. I tell you this all the time there's no magic incantation for your spiritual growth. We worship Jesus Christ, not Harry Potter. It is planting spiritual seeds. But the power of the Holy Spirit, the grace of God, trusting that he's going to be true to his word. And as you plant those seeds and water those seeds and trust God in his grace and keep nurturing that, you're going to reap a harvest. It takes time. Too many of you, you dig seeds, wonder how it's doing, so you dig it up and check on it. It's going to take time. Are you planting seeds of spiritual growth? Yes, God's grace is on you. But that does not mean that you get to do whatever in the world you want and not worry about the consequences. That is not the way the gospel works. The gospel is you've been given a new heart and new mind and new will and new desires. So now you can plant new seeds. So that you reap a harvest of righteousness. And then in verse 10 So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So it's interesting. In this passage, you've got this biblical teaching of sowing and reaping between verses 6 and 10, that little chunk. And and in the context, it's clearly speaking of ministry the church right that's why verse 6 begins with honoring those who teach verse 10 ends the section with doing good especially to the household of faith the context here is church ministry what seeds are you sowing here the seeds we sow into this body will reap a harvest of righteousness what seeds do you sow do you sow seeds of financial supports I know we hate it when pastors talk about money. It's interesting. People are like, you don't need to talk about money. You need to be more like Jesus. Okay, Jesus' top two topics were money and hell. So that means for 2022, I'm doing a 25-week series on hell, followed by a 25-week series on money. We'll do something different for Christmas and Easter. Do you sow seeds of financial support to this ministry? For the vast majority of you, the answer is yes. And God has blessed us. One of the great things is you'll never, I, we don't have to stand up here and go, oh my gosh, we're in trouble, can you guys help? I've, I've pastored those churches, and by God's grace, that's not where we are, I thank Him for that. But you sowing financially is not about supporting us, it's about God doing a work in you. You sow in that seed so that you can reap that harvest do you sow a seed of serving in this body do you serve this body do you minister to this body are you sowing into the lives of other people in various ways we can help you do that reach out to us let us know again that's not for the purpose of you helping us but it's for you so that you sow that seed and then you get to reap that harvest do you sow seeds of prayer praying for this body encouraging this body, lifting this body up before the Lord, God is going to empower you to reap a harvest there. What about personally? Clearly it's about the church, but it's about individuals as well. So what kind of personal seeds do you reap? Do, do, you, do you sow? Colossians 129. I love this scripture. Colossians 129 says, Apostle Paul for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. He's talking about spiritual growth of himself and his church. And look at the way Paul describes it. Is he taking this laissez-faire attitude? Well, God's grace is on me. It'll just work out. Well, I'm just going to show up at church. And, and No. He's saying, I toil with all of the energy that God can give me. For what? For the spiritual growth of himself and others. God graciously gives you the energy, but he expects you to expend every ounce of that on the spiritual growth of yourself and those around you. Listen, we just finished Thanksgiving. We all ate too much. So let's use this analogy. You can't get fat from me eating. Right? Me eating isn't going to do anything for your caloric intake. And for many of you, the bulk of your spiritual nourishment is just eating off the scraps from what I've been eating all week. You have to work with all the energy God has placed in you to plant spiritual seeds in your life so that you can reap a harvest. This is a gospel centered church. Because God's grace is on us, we plant seeds. So that we reap a harvest of righteousness. And when we see brothers and sisters in Christ planting seeds of the flesh and not seeds of the spirit, we step in. We go to them and come and I love you. I see this happening. Let me, let, me, let me help you. Let me encourage you. Let me pray for you. You need to repent of this sin. This isn't going to end well for you. Let me help you plant seeds to the Spirit, not seeds of the flesh. And here's how you're able to do that. I'm going to ask our band to come up as we look at this last one. A gospel church lives redeemed. Look at verses 15 and 16. Just jump down to verses 15 and 16 just for time's sake. I just want to hit those. He says, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. So again, if you've been with us throughout all of Galatians, you know what we've said is, look, it's not about what you do, it's not about what you do, it's not about what you do. And he ends with that as well, verse 15 circumcision or uncircumcision doesn't matter do it don't do it i couldn't care less that doesn't mean anything being circumcised doesn't make you godly being uncircumcised does not make you godly what does the fact that we've been made a new creation how do we plant spiritual seeds because we've been made new why do we go and, and speak into the life of a brother and sister who's not walking in spiritual vitality, who's caught behind enemy lines, who's sowing seeds of the flesh? Why do we do that? Because we know that they've been made new, and that is not who they are. You are a new creation. New creations turn away from this world, repent of sin, sow seeds of the Spirit, and help brothers and sisters in Christ do the exact same thing— this is a gospel church, new brothers and sisters in Christ, made new as new creations in Jesus, sowing seeds of the Spirit so we reap a harvest of righteousness and helping brothers and sisters do the exact same thing. This is the church God has called us and all of his body to be. And by God's grace, we will. So I want to ask you to bow your heads for me. I know the last 35 minutes have been a little bit like drinking out of a fire hydrant so let's 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 bring it back down just for a second let's kind of work in reverse are you a new creation in Christ have you been made new in Jesus? Not are you a member of this church or, or have you been baptized or when you're eight you, rec- you recited a prayer. Let's be honest. Has Jesus Christ made you new? If the answer to that is no, I encourage you today. He desires to do that. Jesus Christ came to this earth as God he lived a sinless and perfect life that you never could live and he died on the cross for the punishment for your sin he was buried in the grave he rose again as you trust by faith in him turning from this world turning from this sin turning from those things and turning to Jesus he promises to make you new he says come to me I'll make you a brand new creation The old will be wiped away. Behold, all new comes. Today, I encourage you. Trust by faith in Jesus Christ. Simply say, Jesus Christ, I turn from this world. I turn from my sin. I turn from my life. I need you. I believe you, Jesus. Make me new. And if that's your prayer today, I want to encourage you. We want to help you. Come talk to us. As we're singing here in a moment, I'm going to be up front. You can come forward and I'd love to pray with you, encourage you in any way that I can. But for those of you who are followers of Christ, listen to me. You are a new creation. You have been made new. And as a result of that, you are to sow spiritual seeds. Seeds of the Spirit. Is that what you're doing? Is your life evidence to the fact that you've been sowing seeds to the Spirit or sowing seeds to your flesh today if you realize you've been sowing seeds to the flesh I want to encourage you, repent of that right now in prayer rip that old harvest of flesh up out of your heart, say Jesus Christ I turn from that, I repent of that I don't want that, empower me God to sow seeds to the Spirit today Seeds of faith, commitment to the Word, commitment in prayer, commitment to confession and repentance of sin, commitment to this body, commitment to allowing people to speak truth into my life. Sowing seeds of the Spirit, trusting that in due time, you are going to bring a harvest of righteousness in me. Or someone you know, right now at this moment, you're caught behind enemy lines, you're stuck in sin, if that's you, I want to encourage you today, we want to help you come forward, let us pray with you, encourage you, love you, walk with you through this, let us see you experience the freedom that Jesus Christ has purchased you on the cross. But in light of the text, I want to ask you this also. Do you know someone that you perceive is is caught behind those enemy lines? I want to encourage you today, just start by praying for them. Pray that God would open their eyes to see. Pray that they would be stirred to understand the fact that they are a new creation in Christ, if indeed they are in Christ. And ask the Lord that He would give you wisdom and clarity as to how to walk forward in seeing them, set free from that sin walk in righteousness as we sing we're going to be singing the heart of worship to come back to God back to a true heart of worship of just seeking Him and knowing Him and loving Him asking Him to do in us what only He can do seeing people set free and restored, seeing seeds of the Spirit sown so that a harvest of righteousness can be reaped and walking in the fullness of being new creations in Jesus. Lord God, I ask that you would do this in us for your glory. Empower us, God, to walk in all the fullness that you have for us. Show us the sin that we need to repent of. Show us the glory of being new creations in you, Jesus. Let us experience all the amazing harvest of righteousness that you have for your people. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together. This altar is open. You can come and pray. You can sing. You can pray where you are. You can come forward and grab someone to pray with you, whatever you'd like. But let's take a little time seeking after the Lord together, okay? Thank you. Steve. for me as we as we end our time today I just want to encourage you again just how Christ the the grace and mercy of of God through Jesus Christ how just changes us and makes us new and that's our desire for you every single one of us that we would experience the fullness of God of what God has for us no one left behind 1 Corinthians 1 28 but everyone walking in full maturity And so if you're a guest with us, we'd love to connect with you. That's one of the first ways we can help in doing that. If you are a guest, best way to connect with us is just to grab your cell phone and text the word connect uh, to our number 910-424-1298. Just text connect to that number. We'll send you a link, tap on that, answer a couple of quick questions just so we can get plugged in with you to help encourage you in your walk with the Lord. And, and for everyone, real quick, just three big announcements of what we have going on here at Southview this week. One, um, for uh, our um, uh, Christmas decorations, we got poinsettias. If you'd like to uh, buy one of those, you can grab a form in the back, fill that out, and drop it in the bucket as you leave. Christmas decorating party that's going to be on December 3rd this coming Friday if you want to do that text party to sign up for that to our number we'll get you signed up for that she can come help decorate and then our ladies of grace our ladies uh, ministry here having their Christmas brunch that's going to be on December 11th at 10 o'clock you can walk out the store and buy uh, tickets for $15 for that it's a wonderful event you'll love being a part of that and then one more quick thing for you um, Christmas Eve service. Uh, we're really excited. We're going to talk to you more about that in the coming weeks. But one of the things we're going to do is a cardboard testimony um, where you get to share a little bit just in one word and really creative way of what God has done in your life. So if you're interested in, in maybe doing that or learning more about that, you can text Jesus to our number to get signed up for that. And then Pastor Scott will reach out to you and kind of walk you through the details. But for every other announcement, just download our app, Southview Baptist Church app, um, just so you can know what's going on, what's happening. You can give online that way or in the giving boxes as you leave, whatever works best for you. Um, Southview Baptist Church seeks to lead people to revere and enjoy Jesus Christ with all their hearts. So I want to encourage you this week as you leave and you go through your week, I want you to walk out of here worshiping Jesus Christ with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. I want to encourage you to nurture that in your life and in others around you, planting spiritual seeds. And then I want you to walk out into this world as a witness. Pointing everyone to Jesus Christ is the only answer for all the questions that we're asking. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for all that you have done. We ask you, Jesus, that you would empower us to plant spiritual seeds for your glory. We love you, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you so much. Have a great week.